How about that for a bit of Vanna drama? Wrexham's season comes to a heartbreaking close in a manner not even Hollywood could have scripted. Nine goals in a playoff semi-final? That's insane, Jeremy. Phil Parkinson isn't happy, as you'd expect. Paul Hurst is delighted. And it'll be Grimsby who take on Solihull Moors in next weekend's playoff final at West Ham United's London Stadium. Unsurprisingly, there's more controversy in the National League for the panel to mull over. And throughout the show, we'll give you some predictions that most definitely won't come true. I am Amos Murphy, and this is the Non-League Podcast, sponsored by betting.co.uk. Welcome back to the Non-League Podcast, sponsored by betting.co.uk. I'm delighted to say, as always, I'm joined by three fantastic guests, Starting off with you then, Dan. Welcome back to the show. Delighted to have you. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm not too bad. Uh, still trying to scrape the barrel looking for football matches to go <laughs> to before the, before the season officially runs out. But there you go. Yeah, it's getting to that time, isn't it, where thumbs are starting to be twiddled and the football cycle you usually go through. I'm turning to cricket, mate. That, that's what I usually do at this time of the year and it, it tends to get me by. Um, well, after last week's episode, Will, I'm sure that the masses will be flocking for your predictions on the games because, uh, as you said, Wrexham versus Chesterfield playoff final. Um, that isn't to be, but how are we doing otherwise? Yeah, I'm good. I've... Um... You know, I've just won the national lottery and everything. So, <laughs> uh, you know, in terms yeah. of predictions, I think I'll probably steer away from for a minute because what my predictions haven't gone too well. I mean, my um, actual league predictions were dreadful as well. So there's probably a theme there. So if I say what if I say why can don't win the league next year, does it mean? You know, reverse. I think, yeah, I think that's probably how it works, unless you predict Dagenham to finish eighth, which is, is probably exactly <laughs> where they will finish. And and on that note, um, one man who who I have to say I'll hold my hands up due to technical a technical fault last week didn't get his prediction in, which actually turned out to be bang on with Solihull progressing to the final. Is Joel? Apologies for that, but um, you can have a second go this time, and and hopefully that that one will stay in the cup. Well, I'm sure all mine this week will be wrong and you'll take extreme pleasure in keeping that one in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll jump into it then straight away because obviously what an incredible weekend of National League action, only just about getting over it. Um, two high-octane, breathtaking games of football, 13 goals across the two matches and we now know actually who will be competing in this week's National League playoff final with obviously a place in the Football League up for grabs. It was the first game of the weekend and I'm sure, you know, there's a lot of a lot of things to say about it, but it could have been the last game of the weekend. I'm pretty sure we'd have, have still started here, but obviously that is Wrexham for Grimsby five, one of the best playoff fixtures I think I'm safe in saying in National League history. And um, I'll start with you then. I'll give you the first the first words on this then, Joel, because how on earth do you begin to sum up a game like that? Well, it epitomises the unpredictability of the National League, you know. National League is either brilliant or horrific with no in-between. And we saw that with the quality of the goals. You know, McAtee's strike was unbelievable. And then the two free headers for, for Toza and Dizaruvwe, where they just unmarked at the back post. You just, you can't get your head round what goes through players' heads. But 
thankfully we were treated to um, an incredible spectacle as a result because no one would have expected that. And in the end, Grimsby, um, the unlikely winners, but you've got to say deserved on the day. Yeah, you say you can't get your head around it. Well, people who did seem to get their head around it was some of the players because I, I was obvi- I was at the game and I just could not believe the amount of headed goals the way it seemed just a constant theme of the afternoon. And and like I say, well, I was at the match and and trying to write an on the whistle match report was that for that game was, was astonishingly difficult because I can't count how many times my narrative shifted throughout that game. But I think what I settled on about midway through the second half and the goals were flowing was was thinking about Wrexham's two Hollywood owners and obviously the, the attention they've had and how for their entire life, their their working life has been so like revolved around scripts and, and working off a script. Yet the nonsense that was unfolding in front of them, you, you wouldn't you wouldn't dare write it because it was it seemed so unbelievably unrealistic. It, it wouldn't it wouldn't transpire to a story. But there it is. You know, one team goes ahead, the other team pulls it back and immediately goes ahead themselves. And where does that then for you rank in the, the sort of pantheon of great playoff matches we've seen over the league over the years? So not not even just in this league, but in, in football in general, it, it seems like it's going to be one that's remembered for years and years and years. Yeah, to, to be honest. I missed the entire game because I was playing cricket and we bowled our opposition <laughs> out for out for less than 100 in about 30 overs. And I was like, oh, great. Maybe Grimsby Wrexham's gone to extra time. I look at the score and was like, so I, it, it's finished 5-4. Like, how do you start? <laughs> and then I watched the highlights the next day and was like, the, the amount of, the lack of defending was really, really impressive. I mean, yeah. Wrexham for a team with such a threat from a long throw really do love to concede goals from set pieces. Hmm. It's hmm. almost like we've, we've got this weapon, but the other team can't surely have one as good. And the long throw that catches them out in the 119th minute, you're just thinking, they're probably just thinking, well, he's no Ben Tozer, is he? This is going to go <laughs> into the mix. So we're going to clear it and it will go into pens. But it just goes to show, I mean, Wrexham couldn't get away with scoring that many goals at home like they did against Dover like they've done previously. Mm. And, and you know, luck wasn't on their side. It wasn't on their side last week. To be honest, based on that performance, I wouldn't have backed Wrexham against Solihull, even if they had got through, because they can't defend. No. Conce- no. Conceding five goals at home in the most important match of the season, when you've got pretty much a, a defence worthy of the Football League, is scandalous. Yeah, it certainly is. I was listening uh, as part of my pre-match prep, um, was listening to the Rob Ryan Red podcast and they actually had Lloyd Griffiths, who's obviously uh, a quite famous Grimsby fan. And, and he was saying, you know, you've got your long throwing toes, but watch out, we've got a guy who can do exactly the same. And as you mentioned there, lo and behold, 29th minute of extra time, they pop up with a goal. And it, it really was a crazy game, wasn't it, Dan? And, and one in which that I think everyone involved with Wrexham, players, supporters, backroom staff, manager, uh, will be absolutely astonished how they've not won that game. Obviously, they scored four goals at home in a playoff semi-final and still end up on the losing team. It, it, it's astonishing. And as Will mentions there, some of the goals he conceded were amateurish at best. And I guess that and it doesn't really matter, does it, how many goals you score going forwards if you just simply cannot keep the chances out of the back. I think maybe two or three times you have to rely on Dibble, the goalkeeper, to bail them out. And it, Grimsby genuinely could have scored about nine if they were if they weren't uh, if they were had a little bit more luck. 
It was, it was like a, a real life game of FIFA, really, wasn't it? Yeah, That's yeah. The best way you can put it. I mean, it's absolutely astonishing. Like normally, you'd associate the playoffs with being like games that will finish maybe at best two one or something like that, like scrappy, cagey kind of games. But um, I mean, all the talk is going to be about Wrexham and and, and the fact that if we're being brutal about it is this season will have to go down as a failure for them based on the sheer amount of money is spent and the fact the fact that they not only got beaten in the FA Trophy final, but then obviously uh, I think I've said in the podcast that I still expected them even with that trophy defeat to hmm. turn up and deliver on the day against Grimsby but and the uh, and the, the fields do that so um Thing is now the pressure is going to be on Wrexham enormously next season, but uh, you've got to give a hell of a lot of credit to Grimsby because they really have shown up and shown up in these playoffs. Like, like firstly, score to Notts County and uh, and do what I did. Then we all thought that was quite something, but Saturday was just something else, wasn't it? So um, it's clearly a feel good factor around Grimsby at the minute and uh, yeah and yeah, what a bounce that'll be for them to take into the final London Stadium. Can they become what is what the four only what the fourth team to bounce straight back to the football league or something like that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're definitely on the way, aren't they? And, and they've, they've done superbly. I mean, there are two teams in this debate and a lot of it has focused on Rex and Grimsby have done superbly. But I suppose then, Joel, depending on who you ask, with one of these people certainly being Phil Parkinson in his post-match interview, Wrexham's defeat will be blamed on poor refereeing decisions. And there were... It, it was one of those games where, as, as as many goals as there were, there were also a lot of important calls throughout the game for for the referee to to make, and some of them were probably debatable, if not wrong, to say the least. And I, I think it's probably a penalty for the first one, although that's up for debate as well. Del- disallowed goal for me, I don't think there was enough there to be a foul. Um, there was then another penalty turned down for Wrexham. Grimsby, Grimsby's keeper absolutely clattered Bryce Hosanna in the box and, and sort of left him out cold, a bit like, like a boxing match at, at one point. And then, obviously, the Mullins handball for, for one of Wrexham's goal in the second half as well. It, it's safe to say, and I don't think it's been unfair, that the referee didn't have the greatest of performances, really, did he? Referees in general, you know, across this division have come up with some contentious decisions, to say the least. Phil Parkinson was... Right when he said the sentiment of what he said about referees, however, obviously he failed to mention that the referees' decisions largely benefited his side and went at the expense of Grimsby. It's not like they cost his side, you know. The ones you listed there, I personally think the first one wasn't a penalty, far too soft. You know, Adam Virgo said in commentary, if that constitutes a penalty, then you'd have upwards of five, six a game. Clever from Mullin, but... Again, it balances out because there was a couple of other penalty decisions that you'd say the referee should have given. You know, in the end, it sort of looked like he was guessing. He was, because he'd given the first one, he seemed reluctant to give ones thereafter because mm. of the enhanced scrutiny on him. But once you give that first one, you set a benchmark on which everything that meets that threshold has to be a penalty. He lost control of it massively. The Mullin handball. I can understand why the referee might not have seen that one because it was quite cleverly disguised, but for the linesman not to have yeah. seen it and 
you know, that that's a question in itself. While we blame the referee, we've got to look at the linesman as well. Really, the decision making summed up the game, just chaotic, off the cuff, <laughs> yeah. improvised. And that was Wrexham v Grimsby. Yeah, yeah. Do you think that's a fair assessment then, Dan, um, looking back at it? Because Parkinson really, really was infuriated at full time. I urge anyone, and I think it is actually going back to it on the Rob Ryan Red uh, Twitter feed, to go back and have a look at that post-match interview, because depending on which way you look at it, it's, it's a thing of beauty. Um, but, but anyway, Dan, do you think then, you know, there, there's obviously a lot of incidents in that game. Joel says that the referee decisions on the whole benefited Wrexham. I think that's probably a fair assessment, but Wrexham wouldn't, I, I don't necessarily think they were overly physical with Grimsby. They, they obviously they wanted to get into the face, they wanted to use the crowd to their advantage. I think it was in the end something like 9,000 Wrexham fans inside the race course ground. And when Wrexham were in the ascendancy, there would be the odd foul, a little 50-50 that, that would sort of, Wrexham player would get the ball first and, and suddenly the next thing, you know, the referee's blowing his whistle and it just seemed to break up play when Grimsby needed it to. And obviously, you, as a Grimsby team, you're going away to the race course, you're going to be up against it, the crowd's, the crowd's against you as well. Those things help you get a little bit of a breathe. And it was a warm day as well. So all in all, is that is, is it fair to put a little bit of the blame on, do you think, Dan, or... or is it, were Wrexham just not good enough on the day? Well, they got beat, didn't they? And that's the <laughs> bottom line to it. Um, Grimsby, as I mentioned, turned up turned up on a day and did what needs to do. I mean, you've got to remember as well, uh, there was, what, nine, ten thousand people inside race course ground on Saturday. Um, if you're a referee in the centre of that and you've got all those people screaming it, and then it's like, maybe in a way, it's, you have to say it's probably a bit of a natural human reaction to to make <clears throat> to make, to make decisions that you haven't really had a proper chance to think through but uh at the end of the day it's all hindsight now i mean the, the fact is uh Wrexham just on the day just gave away far too many soft sloppy goals which which it which you kind of no way blame the referee for yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's fair, fair takeaway. And and I guess then we'll just just to sum up this game, this absolutely mental game of football. It it is set to be another season in the National League for Wrexham. And you know, you look back and any Wrexham fan born after two thousand eight would never have seen their side in the football league. And they're one of the teams we sort of associate football league in all but name, essentially in the National League. But are we getting to a situation now where? Maybe Wrexham aren't that football league in in sort of that that, that football league team in all but name. Are, are they genuinely a non-league team who seem to have terrible, terrible, terrible luck with the playoffs? I think we sit here today and it's hard to look past them for the national league title next season. But is there a sort of is there just this sort of unwritten curse around this club that will just prevent them from going up, regardless of who's in charge, regardless of the players they've got at the helm, or is next season, you know, obviously there's a lot a lot of things can happen in the transfer window, but is next season going to finally be the year, 15 years out of the Football League, that they, they finally end that hi- hiatus? Well, the thing is with Wrexham is, I'd have said that they're non-league, basically, they're just as non-league as us, as we like to shan't at all the XEFL teams, until Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney t- took them over and basically their crowds have tripled. Or all sorts has gone on, which makes you think, well, if they got in the Football League, they would fly. That I reckon Stockport will probably win League Two next year. 
and I would have backed Rex. Yeah, I would have backed Wrexham to go up with them, but um, because of how strong those two teams are. Yeah, yeah. But when you look, you look at Wrexham, and do they do they have the bottles? Do they not? The the idea is that Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney are too famous to walk away. If they walk away mm. from Wrexham and leave leave a town, a community on its heels, you know that's going to do their rep the world an absolute damage because. You look at the amount of people they've had associated with that club. David Beckham was at the FA Trophy final. <laughs> they've gone far too deep now to sort of go, right, we're not in this for the long haul. And even if they do, they'd have built a sustainable club that will be taken over by some rich man when the time comes. Mm. So the idea that Wrexham had to get promoted this season was sort of almost desperation from everyone else because... <laughs> Ryan Reynolds and uh, Rob McElhenney, they can just chuck money at it as much as they want. They can get around financial fair play because they've got the sponsorships with TikTok. I don't know if you saw today, but they had a sponsorship with an oil firm, an American oil firm. Yeah. And the money they have is almost unstoppable off the field. No one else can match it. It's just about on the pitch. Can you just get that, that over the line? If they get in the playoffs next season and lose, then we'll be having this debate next year. But I genuinely think if Wrexham don't win the league next year, then if Phil Parkinson's still there, he'll probably retire from management or something. Because <laughs> especially now Stockport have gone up, there's no one who can throw around that amount of money. I mean, Chesterfield did sign Shamanga for a few fa- few hundred thousand, but then they're not going to be able to compete with Wrexham and whoever they pluck out of the... Football League, probably the championship this time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll be interesting to see, won't it? It was funny, actually, when I was leaving the race course, there was a, an elderly Wrexham supporter going, oh, well, at least I'll, I'll save my money not having to go down to London next week. And, and my initial thought was, well, your owners won't be thinking that, who will who will no doubt have a busy summer. And I think that the final, final paragraph in my match report was essentially saying, you know, it's hard to imagine Wrexham not having their day and them not not having that promotion. But the longer it goes on, it's now fifteen seasons for Wrexham in in the national league, and you you do wonder, you do wonder. But but that's to come. Hello, listener. I hope you don't mind me interrupting the show to bring you this message on behalf of Betting.co.uk. Let's face it. Times are tough, and that's even before your favourite football team loses a crucial end-of-season clash. Well, we know how much you love your football and how much it would mean to be able to watch your club throughout next season, even if times are tough. So, in order to do just that, the great guys at betting.co.uk are giving you, the listener, a chance to win a season ticket ahead of the new campaign. The rules are simple. All you have to do is enter via gleam.io. to have a chance to win. The more actions you complete, the more entries you get, and there is no limit, you'll be glad to hear, on how many times you can give it a go. The competition will run from the 30th of May, with more details set to be announced on that date, and all entries must be in by the 27th of June. We'll pick a winner and let you know who has won the season ticket by the 30th of June, and there is no purchase necessary for anyone looking to enter once. The grand prize is a £250 contribution towards your season ticket for the 2022-23 campaign. 
If your season ticket is less than £250, well, don't worry. We will contribute anything left over to a charity or fundraiser of your choice. However, we cannot promise that that money will be able to go to your club's transfer kitty, as much as you might need a new striker. Please note, though, if you do wish to enter more than once, you will have to show proof of signing up to our partner bookmaker and we'll let you know how to email evidence in due course. That's all for now, and best of luck in the competition. We'll, we'll pick it up then from the, the second of the weekend's game, and it's, it was probably hard on Saturday evening to, to even imagine another game that, that I'd be able to top this, despite it being billed, of course, in the Champions League final repetitively, even in the last couple of minutes. Uh, the BT Sports team were, were pushing uh, the Solihull Moors versus Chesterfield. Chesterfield, obviously, they progressed past FC Halifax Town, um, a little bit against the odds, actually, in the midweek eliminators. They took the lead early in the first half, but a spirited comeback from the Moors saw them run out eventual 3-1 winners. Fair result then, do you think, Joel? Obviously, Solly Hall with a farm team heading into playoffs and, and Neil Adley's side will will now compete for a place in the Football League somewhere they've never, ever, ever been in their, in their history. Definitely a fair result. A far more conventional manner of victory than the day before, although, it, as you say, it was very hard to... Um, Imagine that level of drama being emulated. For me, once it was 2-1, even three, let alone 3-1, I never envisaged Chesterfield being able to get back into the game. You know, He would dealt a blow by Danny Rowe being sidelined through this kind of enigmatic problem that he's had throughout the season, which isn't really, the club's never really specified, but it is meant to be serious that supposedly resurfaced and... They took the lead through his replacement, Joe Quigley, but if you know Joe Quigley like I do, he's certainly not um, not someone who should be spearheading your front line wherever you are in the National League. Um, yeah. So, yeah, tremendous um, respect for Solly, or especially Neil Wardley. You know, they've only lost one home game since November. That was to lead in Stockport. They've probably been the most consistent team in the division in that they've always occupied around that fourth, fifth spot. They just about crept into third on the final day. Now, even Stockport and Wrexham around October, November, they were still finding their feet. Um, Stockport under, obviously, the new management. They were around ninth, 10th, mid-table, just building up. Solihull never wavered from where they were on the table. They've been stable, they've been robust, and um, no surprise to me that they got the job done against Chesterfield, and I'm going to say they'll get the job done against Grimsby too. Yeah, like I said before, you, you did back them. I, I will repeat, you did back them to get the job done. Um, and and for the game then, Dan, it seemed a case of two sides with contra- contrasting fortunes in front of goal, really, didn't it? Obviously, Solihull took their chances superbly when they came along and, and possibly could have had one or two more if, on, on another day. Whereas, apart from the opener from Quigley, as, as Joel references there, Chesterfield looked extremely lacklustre in front of goal. And that's been the case for them since they lost Kabongo Shamanga back in in, Fed, in February. They just, it, like Joel says, that it, it just always felt like, even though Chesterfield were, lo- uh, were winning, it always felt as if they were going to end up on the losing side of the game because Solihull just operated with, with supreme calmness. And like, like we've mentioned, definitely deserved to go through on that one. There was no debate there about the result, was there? No, no, and you've got to think as well. Like a lot of this Hollyhall team, like the, um, they've sort of been together for a good number of years now. So I think they've, like, I think they've sort of done it as a bit of a natural process. I mean, at times it can be a 
horrible side to come up against. Um, but they've, but it seems like whatever plan they've had behind the scenes is all really coming together now. And uh, as for Chesterfield, I mean, uh, I'm honest, like after their performance at Halifax the other night, I'll, I, I honestly expected a lot more from them, but um, it wasn't to be. And uh, you'd probably have to say, like, I know that obviously the loss to Shimanga was major turning point of their season, but um, that's uh, probably overall over the season that they really don't deserve to go up and, and, and they're not going up. Whereas for Solihull now, um, they've, they've, I think the final on Sundays, I think it's, it's tough to call because I, I think obviously Grimsby have got that bounce from the wins at Notts County Rex, but Solihull, uh, they've got the momentum from the end of the season and they've obviously picked up a really solid Result, yes, and they'll be looking at that and thinking, like, if they go up, there'll be obviously a new team to the football league. But you look in recent years, Harrogate have gone in and into the football league and been solid, and Sutton have had a fairly sound first year in there as well. So, Solly Hull will be heading to that game and thinking, thinking that they can most definitely, could most definitely win the game, go in there and basically do the same as those, those two. Yeah, yeah, certainly. Um, as for Solihull then, Will, they're a bit of a strange one, aren't they? Because I think a lot of people, including myself, have dismissed them a little bit in the in the playoffs because they're not the sexy option, really, are they? And that's absolutely nothing to do with the way they play. But you've got the the quote unquote big clubs in those in that sort of top seven, and you don't necessarily look at Solihull as the ones that maybe is a neutral. You you want to see go up. Obviously, they've never been in the football league before. They're up against a team in the final. And we'll we'll do a little bit of a preview later on who have have spent a number of years in the football league. So there's a contrast in itself, but. Neil Ardley, well, he's not even been in the job for three hundred and sixty-five days, I don't think, and he's he's completely changed the sort of the 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 mood around the club because you hark back to I think it was twenty nineteen when they got done by Fylde, um in the playoffs. It was a completely different sort of game on Sunday, wasn't it? You, it felt like there was an an aura of inevitability about the Solihull win, and even though they went behind, like I said, it it felt like they were just in control constantly. Yeah, you've sort of nailed that there because the I think Neil Ardley is a very good manager. Obviously, he took Wimbledon up, and the problem with him at Notts County was it's such a big club, and when you don't get them promoted, and when they're sort of sitting in fourth in the National League as they were, it's sort of below expectations, and no one really knows how long it's going to take to get out of it. And obviously, their owners have different. The change of owners didn't help because he took the job straight out of the football league. Obviously, he got them relegated. He wanted to get them back up. Didn't quite complete that. So this this would be sort of the ultimate sort of icing on the cake if he was to take Solihull out of the division. And as as for Solihull themselves, they're a very good team. I mean, I went to buy five games against them this season, and they they play some good football. The, the first game, they were they were very good. They were very solid, and that's what Neil Ardley teams do. That they're not glamorous. They're not. They're not like hoofball teams, but they just do what needs to be done. And at the end of the day, if, if that gets you promoted, it's a bit like how um, Sutton did it. They didn't really do it sort of playing but Barrow-style football under Ian Everett. It was a very solid sort of team, work hard for each other. You know, 
you can say what you want about Swanee Hills players getting X amount of money and stuff, and I know they've got players like Dallas who turned down Notts County to join them, but at the end of the day, you've got to be able to use your use your resources, and that they've done that. So, yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, give a give a bad chef some decent ingredients, he won't make you a good meal, will he? And Neil Adley's done superb there. Um, as for Chesterfield, then Joel, what's next for them? Because there's a point in time where they were maybe not cruising, but they were definitely comfortable at the top of the league. They obviously had that memorable visit to Stamford Bridge, and and you know we will get in there. They did score a goal. Crisis struck with James the James Rowe business, and it looked though, didn't it, that they diverted it fantastically, getting Paul Cook in as the manager. Obviously, a hero's return there at the Technique Stadium. Yes, they've had injuries, Shamanga notwithstanding. What is it, twenty three goals in twenty four games or whatever daft record he'd got at the start of the campaign? But is it fair to pin it all on absent players? Because I don't know. It, it the, the fans will tell you that it's been. Post James Rowe, it's been you know the feel good factor still has been there despite the results, but there just seems to be something a little bit rotten at that club and and, and on the pitch it just does, it hasn't been clicking. And yes, Paul Cook's a fantastic manager, but from where they were when he came in to where they finished the season, and obviously at, at your expense as a Dagenham supporter, just about got into the playoffs. It does feel like they're ending the campaign on a little bit of a damp squid and heading into next year. We'll, we'll, we'll do plenty of previews before the season, but it's likely it's not going to be the strongest ever uh, group of teams in the National League. Wrexham were obviously favourites, but apart from that, there's plenty to play for. Yet, as of now, Chesterfield probably should be up there, but you, you're not necessarily looking at them as someone who can even challenge Wrexham or, or, or will be comfortable in the in the top seven. Well, firstly, thanks for reopening up old wounds from the final day. <laughs> but in regard to Chesterfield, um, Paul Cook has always been trying to steady the ship. You know, it feels like there's been a car kind of rolling off the precipice and he's had to try and stop it. You know, problems mm. at that club have happened through no fault of their own, really. You know, James Rowe that has been hanging over the club like a dark cloud. Then you had the Shamanga injury on top of countless other season-ending injuries, which I'd defy any side to be able to overcome. In the end, Paul Cook ended the season, a disastrous end to the season, but with the message, you know, we're still in the playoffs. Let's regroup. Let's kind of calm the players down. We go again. That's exactly what they did at Halifax. It was the perfect mentality to instill. Solihull was just a challenge too far and, as I say, bad luck. Danny Rowe not being available, you know, the night before, whatever it was, that's unfortunate. You know, they'd have probably planned after Halifax to have him spearheading their attack. It might have been a completely different game. He'd have certainly given them another dimension. And when you've got Danny Rowe on your team, there's always a goal there. So I do feel, I'm not going to say sorry for them. I certainly don't feel sorry for them, but I do empathise with their plight because it's not all their own doing. And I still think in the summer, when you've got Shimanga fit, you know, he's been modelling the new shirt, so you'd imagine he'll be there next season because nobody's going to take a gamble on someone coming back from the injury years. They'll have a fully fit squad. They'll probably make some further signings. They always do. And with Stockport out of the division, they'll fancy themselves to be in contention for a home semi-final again. It's unlikely they'll have another year where injuries have come in such an untimely and almost inescapably recurring fashion. It's unfortunate, but Chesterfield, they'll go again and, and no fan would have expected them to probably even have won at Halifax. So 
the season's ended hmm. probably further than, than they'd have expected it to. Do you think that's a fair a fair assessment then, Dan? Do you think it has to just be filed under one of those seasons where injuries have got have taken control and you know that their their injury list has been suffocating at times and will Chesterfield supporters just have to thank the lucky stars who are able to get Paul Cook in, who has obviously got a, a CV, a, a wealth of experience on his CV, and, and then just go again next year? Or, you know, is, is are the heads going to start to drop a little bit? I think Chesterfield will be okay next year. Um, I think, obviously, once the season starts and they go into a fully fit squad, I mean, don't get me wrong, I don't think they'll be as good as Wrexham and I think um, if Notts County can get it can get it right with their with her, they're bringing as manager new players etc then uh, they'll you'd expect them to be very strong as well and Southend uh, I'm looking too shabby at the minute so um, but I think Chesterfield um, almost certainly will almost certainly be in that I'd say top five next year uh, maybe they'll be Looking to at least finishing, finish second or third, get that home semi final. But um, yeah, you probably have to say it has been a little bit unfortunate for them this year. Obviously, yeah, they went to even after they lost at Chelsea, there's, there's still an overall feel good factor about the place there. But um, then, uh, and obviously, there was there's, there's been injuries and uh, the dip in form and that. Um, just, so obviously it'll be if you're a Chesterfield fan, it'll be massively frustrating. But um, I think in terms of the wider picture as a football club, they may be not in too bad a position. I wouldn't say. Yeah, obviously the the community owned as well, so that that's a positive, and you you should hope they won't have to sort of go down some slippery slide. Obviously, the the they were close to relegation before James Rowe came in, but um, that is again enough one for next season. Uh, final word then on the on the playoffs that we've seen so far for you. Then will the Solihull game was obviously it wasn't the the swashbuckling nine goal filler we'd had the day before, but it felt it was a good contest and it felt like a really good way to round off what was. A superb week of, of brilliant playoff action, really, and and I don't know, maybe they don't need credit, but there has been criticisms of the BT Sport team, and I think we, it's important just to, to shout out the likes of Adam Summerton, the commentator, who's he's put an absolute shift in. I think alongside the four playoff games, he also did the Europa Conference League final as well, and they've done a really, really good job. I feel all of the team there, you know, we can list them all off, but they've done a really good job of, of providing coverage to, to these playoffs because they have been superb. You know, you go back to the first game, that's County Grimsby, the late drama there up until Solihull Chesterfield as well. And, and, you know, hats off to them because it, it it's a difficult job, isn't it? You know, covering non-league, there isn't the, the wealth of stats that there is at the top of the game. And, and yeah, they've done, they've done a good job. So pat on the back for them. Yeah. I think the punditry has been great to be honest. It, when you go to a televised game and when we played Bournemouth away, it was on the telly. And after the game, uh, obviously, Matt Jarvis, because he's ex-wike and he walks past, and Aaron McLean's with him, and everyone's talking to them about the game, being like, oh, how do you think we did? And they were like, yeah, we really enjoyed it and stuff. And it's the sort of thing you don't really get in the Premier League. Mm. And it's been great seeing all the sorts of pundits who aren't just there to make a sort of career step. They're, they really do their research. Like I do like Aaron McLean because he brings sort of something different, you know? In terms of ex-footballer, lower league striker, he's played at all sorts of levels. He started off at Grays, obviously, and his his coverage is really good because 
it, obviously when they analyse the strikers of the league and you know it, it, it sort of feels like they've put a lot more effort into it in terms of they really want to show the National League because people will watch it and I, I don't know if that's probably if the viewing figures have gone up or something I'd assume they have because it's been a really good season of, of football Just the one game of the National League season to fulfil then. And it is, of course, Sunday's playoff final between Grimsby and Solihull Moors. The bookies are also having a little bit of difficulty in separating the two sides, with Grimsby coming in as outsiders for this clash, as 888 Sport have the Mariners at 2-1 to one to get the job done inside 90 minutes. The draw is a 47-20 shout, while a Solihull win comes in at 5-4. As we saw in the semi-finals, both teams have been able to find the net freely in recent weeks, with the both teams to score yes shout coming in at 4-6. That could be one to watch, and if you are over 18, do head over to betting.co.uk for all of the best sign-up offers ahead of this weekend's playoff final. But of course, as always, do remember to gamble responsibly. The big one then, we'll finish off with the a little look ahead to the National League playoff final, which will obviously be Grimsby Town versus Solihull Moors at London Stadium on Sunday. Before we get to the football then, there is pretty unsurprisingly, I have to say, been controversy surrounding this match from the sort of from the hands of the organisers themselves. There's obviously already the debate about the venue and we've covered that in a in a previous podcast, but ahead of the ticket allocations being released, there's a lot of controversy around the prices of them. The National League said that they needed to get the London Stadium, or it was the only venue that was available, so they had enough capacity to cope with if if Notts County and Wrexham had got there. Spoiler, they didn't. But then they released the ticket prices and it's extortionate to say the least. I think the cheapest playoff final ticket for the two teams comes in at around £40. There's also then an additional booking free of £3. And then <laughs> this, is the, this is the craziest bit, a 99p charge to get the ticket emailed to you. Dan, I'll start with you then here. You've obviously gone to a lot of football this year, over 100 games or so. It's utter nonsense, isn't it? And this is the showpiece event in the in the non-league calendar, and it's looking like it's a circus heading into it. Absolutely. And uh, there's, you've also got to remember as well, uh, it is uh, Jubilee weekend this coming weekend, so everywhere in London is just going to be absolutely chock-a-block. Um mm. Then there's obviously uh, the fans of both clubs have got to sort their got to sort out how to get into going to get to London because from Birmingham and from Lincolnshire it's not going to be cheap on the travel. Uh, then there's obviously some may have may have no choice but to find somewhere for the night, which again is not going to be cheap. Then uh, and obviously there's going to be all the hassle of sorting your transport to get across London on top of that, plus your, your programmes if you want, one your, your food, your drink and stuff while you're there. So it's um, so really you're, you're looking at, like, if we've been, been frank about it, like you'd probably, in some instances, probably pay more for a day out at a Premier League game than you would mm. at 
a non-league game. And the thing is, non-league prides itself on being the of being affordable, still being for the working man. Um, yeah, this final just feels as though it's deviated away from that, which is a real shame, and especially at times like this where it's been well documented uh, that that there's obviously having a, a lot of trouble with the economy and stuff at the minute. Um, like people maybe don't have that level of money to throw to sort of throw about to go to a football match. Um, so you've got to feel sorry for some people here because no doubt whatsoever there'll be people, there'll be Grimsby fans, there'll be Solly Hull fans that would have been absolutely desperate to to be there and potentially see, see their team get into the football league. Yet they've probably had to make an extremely difficult decision with it, and it's really not right on on those people who've probably followed them all over the place loyally for years and years. Yeah, it, it does feel as if the National League are only really one step away from a controversial situation like this and, and this being the latest balls up for them, really. Um, Grimsby updated supporters on, on the day of recording around the situation, saying the lower tier has sold out, so there's obviously been massive demand for tickets there, but the only remaining tickets available are in the upper tier where they're not offering concession prices, leaving fans having to pay even more on top of that for a children or, or over 65s or whatnot. Um, Joel, where are you coming in on this one then? Because from the off, when the rumours were that they were going to announce it as the London, London Stadium, it's been an absolute farce. It's been a circus, like I said. And this, it feels like it needed a big crescendo, didn't it, to this to this situation? And, and this is probably beyond the wildest dreams. It was always going to get to this point of kind of a circus. We could see it coming, you know, as soon as the venue was announced. It sort of felt like it wasn't a decision made with fans in mind from the outset. What would mm. it be in the Jubilee weekend? We knew as soon as the playoffs was announced, it was going to be an exclusively Northern affair anyway. So it didn't feel like the ideal venue for that reason alone. It's ridic- It's exploitative is what it is, because at the end of the day, all of us would pay upwards of £50 for a ticket if it came to it, if that mm. was the only way to be there. And they know that. That's why they do it. You know, they probably won't be harmed too much in terms of attendance because they know that supporters will want to desperately be there. You know, Solihull is probably the best venue they've ever played at. Grimsby, I wouldn't go that far, but but likewise in terms of it will be the first time they've ever been to the London Stadium and, and a ground of that magnitude they don't get to play it often. Not only that, but as mentioned... You know, before the game, if you want to do anything in Westfield, you're not going to get change for a pint from a tenner. You know, if you want food, that will probably cost you the equivalent of a match ticket. So all of it is shaping up to be a very, very costly um, weekend for whichever fan base. They won't mind if they win, of course. And I do want to mention that as we speak, I've just seen a tweet. I think Grimsby Trust, they've raised over £9,000 so that supporters who ordinarily wouldn't be able to afford it can have their trip paid for to see their team. And I think that's an incredible gesture that really kind of offsets the greed of the National League with what we all want to see. So, yeah, huge credit to them for that. 
yeah, yeah that, that's absolutely yeah. superb bringing yeah, that, that uh, information and um, like I say it shouldn't come to that though really should it you should be having clubs trust having to raise raise money for the supporters to be able to afford to go to a football match um, and obviously you mentioned there like we've obviously been to big football games as supporters and, and the memories more than anything and maybe there'll be some supporters who are going to their first ever Grimsby or Solihull game. And, you know, there may have been people who would have been doing, but they're not allowed to anymore or, or they don't have access to it anymore, I should say. Um, it's a shame, isn't it, Will, that, it, that it's come to this? Because if you look at it in the wider picture, not just the two teams who are involved, it's probably been one of the best seasons of National League action ever, purely because of the attention that's been on the division. And you tip your hat to the likes of BT Sport for providing the coverage. And then also the clubs who are in here, you know, genuinely, as we've said before, football league quality clubs and the players that are being attracted to this league are, are, you know, could easily do it in a couple of divisions higher. Yet it gets the situation where non-league or or particularly step one in the National League has gone so far in in sort of evolving itself into the uh, pretty much a a full-time professional division. Yet it always seems to just go back to that sort of for want of a better phrase, Tim Pottery in a way, doesn't it? And it does feel like it is back to the days where you have to get voted into the league and you've got an old man there with a clipboard in the clubhouse and a, a warm pint of John Smith just sort of making the decisions himself because this is, it's not surprising, but it's desperately depressing that it's come to this. Yeah, it, it sort of seems like um, the, these teams, are they, they've all moved on with the times, but the National League board haven't. They're still mm. sort of stuck back in the old, old ways that, yeah, we can charge whatever we like. I think almost they were secretly hoping that it was Chesterfield who got through mm. just because their fans would have paid it and that there would have been more fans there, which I think really suits Solihull because they're, they're like almost, even though on paper they should probably win the game, that they might be the underdog because they have less fans in the ground cheering them on. You know, mm. there's less expectation. Whereas if Grimsby lose, it's like, oh, it's another season sort of in the National League. When are we ever going to go up because of this and that? And the, the idea that Solihull can just go, go there and they can just play with, you know, not not sort of freedom, but a sense that they can upset quite a few thousand Grimsby fans. And I, I do think the prices are silly as well because I do think Solihull would have had decent support because there'd have been a lot of people in the Birmingham area mm. who'd have wanted to support Solihull because obviously it's a local team. You want, it's a bit like the FA Trophy of ours, you know, you want to see your local team at Wembley. And it it, it would have been none the same if, if it was 20 quid, say, for the tickets. I mean, if the final was held at Villa Park, it would have been a sellout for Solihull yeah, Wars fans. yeah. And obviously, that almost made sense. But maybe the National League thought, well, we can't have this in case Solihull do qualify. And it's basically a home game for them because their their fans don't have to travel anywhere, whereas Grimsby fans would still have to make a trek. I'm looking forward to it. But obviously, I can't, I can't help but feel it's almost been soured a bit by the National League sort of incompetence that you can have a major event What that... I mean, you could get a ticket cheaper for the championship playoff final. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, and even some of the lower Champions League final tickets are only 40, 50 quid, which is, is astonishing. And and like you say there, it, 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 it'd be interesting, would it, if, if, say, Wrexham had made it and 
I don't know, obviously Notts County were in the same side of the draw, but say it was Wrexham Notts County and the league had finished different and that was the final. They released the ticket prices so late on in the day. I wonder if, if it was two teams like that and they knew they were going to sell more, if they would be down to, I don't know, 25 quid. And is that really where a, a league of this magnitude and the, the prices and, and the sort of the player wages and the agent fees that are being banded about needs to be? Is it a case of a week before the game, we release the ticket prices and if one team's only going to bring, I don't know, 5,000, we need to stump them up? Um, it, the, the mind does boggle, the mind does boggle, but I suppose this weekend more than any has shown sporting organisations uh, uh there's not as much logic, logic as you'd like to think being being banded about the boardrooms. Anyway, uh, the football, because we will hopefully be having a preview show later on in the week to bring you speaking to a few fans from either club. But we'll just grab your opinions on the game before we get out of here then. Grimsby, for me, Dan, look like they've got a sense of destiny about their playoff run. A little bit like, to bring it back to the Champions League, a little bit like Real Madrid and, and the way they went on to win that competition. Grimsby, obviously, the, the way they've won the games late on in extra time, that's two two games on the bounce. They've obviously been the away team in that as well. And, and you know, the, the added pressure that brings along. Solihull, obviously, they're an incredible football inside, but it feels as though, for me, looking at it right now, Grimsby might just edge it. I don't know why I'm getting that feeling, but like I say, I think it, it, it just seemed like they're on, a, on one of those runs that is so hard to suppress. Um, probably... In the same part as you, uh, to be honest with you. Uh, I think, I mean, at the end of the day, you've got to give Solihull a lot of credit. I mean, at the end of the day, they're not the sort of team that you'd associate with being up there and challenging for promotions, etc. But uh, this is the second time in, what, three or four years that they've, they've been in, in, in the playoffs. Um, obviously, they were beaten in the semi-final by file the first time around. But this time, obviously, they've gone one better and got to the final, but um, well, I just, just have the feeling with Grimsby that, that I think that they'll be they'll be desperate to get into the football league where they feel they belong. I mean, I'm personally not the sort of person that believes any team belongs in that belongs in whatever league they say they do, because I truly believe every team is wherever they are for a reason, but, um, but Grimsby are the that the fans will be really wanting them to get out of it first time, especially because obviously they've been they have been in in non league in the last decades previously as well, and it took them long enough that time to get out of it. So if they can get out of it this time, then I think that for them there'll be a sense of they could go back into the football league and really thrive this time. Whereas for Solly Hall, it's maybe a little bit different. They'll be looking to maybe be like a Harrogate or something where I'll just want to go in and make a good impression more than anything. Um, but I do fancy Grimsby on the day. I don't think it'll be quite as hectic as basically all the other matches have been in these playoffs so far. But I think I'm going to say, I'm going to st- stick my neck on the line. I mean, this didn't age well for me when I did this <laughs> last week. But um, I'll stick my neck on the line and say it will be a 2-1 Grimsby win. There we have it then. Lump the cash on that. Um, do you subscribe to that then, Joel? Obviously, you were you were trumpeting the Solihull trumpet. Uh, that's a terrible metaphor, but you were you were singing the Solihull praises ahead of their semi final. Are you sticking with with the Moors for this one, or do you see it going another way? I am going to go against the grain again. I think Solihull will be too strong. They beat Grimsby in both fixtures throughout the campaign. 
It's hard to imagine a team who are on a high across English football more than Grimsby at any point throughout the whole season are mm. right now. But Solly, or they're disciplined, they're professional. And I think Grimsby, the chaos of the last game, I don't think Solly will allow the contest to become like that. You know, Grimsby have had drama in the last two to get to this stage. Solly won't allow it to become that sort of game. And I think they will edge it. Yeah, yeah. Do you think then, Will, finally, is it fair to call this one a David versus Goliath? Obviously, Grimsby finished below Solihull in the table, but they've got the Football League experience. Solihull, uh, you know, not so much Cinderella, but you get the gist. Do you think it is a case of uh, Grimsby having the edge on the day purely because of historical reasons? Or as we've seen in recent years with, you know, Neil Adley himself will know this far too well. The, the lesser team, so to speak, in quotation marks, seems to just find a way most National League seasons to, to get promoted. And is it going to be another maiden football league campaign for one of these National League sides? Yeah, I, f- I feel like the trend sort of... Obviously, Notts County lost to Harrogate. Obviously, Tranmere lost to Forest Green. The sort of trend of... The, the sort of lower sort of... Not, all spent their entire existence in non-league against... Football league stalwart as you were, mm. sort of means that there's less pressure on the team. I, I think Solihull will probably win it, uh, probably like two one or something, after extra time, just just because Neil Ardley's got that promotion experience. I know Paul Hurst has as well, but Grimsby leak a lot more goals than Solihull do. So it's a case of whoever scores the first goal, can Grimsby really win a game one nil? I mean, I know they're probably going to win the game one 0 now. I've just said this, but <laughs> the, the the idea that Grimsby can sort of score first, like Chesterfield did, and not have a solid hole comeback as they did, and not just a comeback. I mean, they took control of the game, and that's what they've been doing on a regular basis this season. They're only lost uh, in the last sort of few months, being at a stopport, which is a fairly respectable place to lose. Mm. So. I, I do think Solihull will win it just because it's almost like Grimsby have got a lot more riding on it. You yeah, know, yeah. that they, they want to get that first promotion. They want to get that promotion back in the first season. Not many teams do it and it would be some achievement for them after the absolute basket case they were last summer. Yeah, it's been quite a turnaround, hasn't it? And you've we've obviously seen some of the managerial... Uh, merry-go-rounds and you do wonder if Paul Hurst will be at the club next season should they not go up but I'm going to say Grimsby just about one goal in it but I'm going to say Grimsby um, so yeah clip these up and, and this time next week when we're doing the review show I'm sure there'll be some golden content for us to look back and, and sort of cringe over but yeah that will do for today obviously if you can hit subscribe hit follow on whichever podcast platform you're listening along on and of course if possible leave us a five-star review i have been amos murphy you can find me on twitter at amos murphy underscore you can find all of our panels twitters as well in the podcast description and head over to non-league daily to check out all of the latest stories from the world of non-league and until next time see you later